0: This is Tony. This is Derek. This is Kevin. And we are Drunk On Comics. And you are listening to
1: an Elegant Weapon Podcast,
0: bitches. Hey kids, welcome to the show this week. Before we get into it, I got a couple quick things I want to touch upon. Back on episode 113 of this podcast, we were lucky enough to have as our guest, Miss Rochelle Davis. You might know her as Sarah from The Crow that movie with Brandon Lee. Um, Wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, she's asking for your help. If you were ever a fan of The Crow Uh, and uh, and it ever meant anything to you, someone very important to Rochelle, someone very close to her in her life, her husband, in fact, is going through a very, very difficult time medically, go to GoFundMe.com and check out Ken's Fund. Uh, You can also go to Rochelle Davis on Facebook and go to her page and see what this is all about and see what's going on. She's a a wonderful girl. She's very in touch, very open, and uh, very close to her fans. And uh, if you were into The Crow, uh, check her out and uh, see what she's all about, see what's going down, and see what's happening there. GoFundMe.com, Ken's Fund. Uh, And on a quick other second note, we tried something new this week. We decided (laughs) that uh, we were going to go live and attempt one of them googly hangouty things and broadcast live through the YouTubies. So I started an Elegant Weapon Podcast YouTube channel so you can check out the extremely raw uh, version of, uh, the following podcast. Um, the connection wasn't the usual connection, uh, that I would receive. So things are a little choppy. Things sound a little off. Uh, not what you'd normally be used to probably hearing, uh, on this podcast, but the conversation is fine. Everything went great. Um, it was beyond fine. It was amazing. It was super fun, good times. Uh, and I can't wait to have the following guest back all already, already. Can't wait. So, do that. Do those two things. Go and uh, check out Rochelle Davis on Facebook and uh, see what she's talking about. See why she could use your help. And B, um, it sounds a little weird. It sounds a little wonky. But still, always good times. An elegant weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are you all doing in here? We're smoking reefer.
1: And you don't want no part of this shit. <laughs> An elegant weapon, but a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound.
0: Elegant Weapon, Episode One Hundred and Thirty Two. I'm your host, the Jedi Ross J. Please excuse me for one little moment while I flick my bick. Oh, it's good to be back this week with you kids. Um, this is a little weird. This is a little different. I am in the middle of it. Well, not in the middle. I'm at the very beginning of a vodcast. Uh, loyal longtime listeners will remember we tried to do this about a year and a half ago or something like that and it, it led to an interesting evening um, of giggles and feedback but it was good times it was fun so we're, we're gonna try this again um... we're gonna try it with a good time party guest last year everybody knows i went to motor city comic-con in michigan <laughs> Everybody knows because I won't shut up about what a good time I had at Motor City Comic-Con in Michigan. I met some amazing people and had some amazing times. One of those people I met, an amazing person herself, is Miss Cosmic Casey. Casey, thank you for hanging out tonight.
1: Oh, thank you. Honored to be on your show. It's
0: an honor to have you here. I, I made my cup of coffee. I've I've watched a few episodes of your Dark Blend podcast there.
1: Oh my god, you actually watched it. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> I did, and I no, it was, it was an enjoyable time. So I made myself a nice little uh, Empire cup of coffee here.
1: Oh, very cool. Uh, I and I have no coffee. I'm coffeeless.
0: That's just not right. I just kind of assumed you'd be prepared.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> I I should have known to make coffee since I knew we were going to talk crazy anyway. Speaking of Motor City, interestingly enough, whenever uh, I see the words Elegant Weapon or your name pop up on Facebook, I think of the first time that we met was actually during my interview when you bum-rushed it, and I think I had far too many whiskeys. Because I said the F word several times because I was angry about you um, sort of uh, making a headway for Elegant Weapon during my first Drunk on Comics interview.
0: Oh my goodness. I must apologize. No, Um... no,
1: no, no. It was hilarious. Go (laughs) back and listen to it. I am so embarrassed, but I was
0: like... I'm trying to remember the exact moment. Um,
1: you actually apologized on the podcast. You were like, I apologize.
0: Okay, that's good. <laughs> at least at least I had to wear with all that. You know, as, as memorable and amazing as that weekend was, a lot of it was a little bit fuzzy.
1: Oh, God, yeah. That whole interview <laughs> was fuzzy. Actually, at the beginning of the episode, Derek says, I'm going to have to listen to this to remember it because we were all slaughtered. It was, it was quite a scene. Where did we record this? This was at the after party around the bonfire.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was excellent time. Because you had
1: just talked to uh, Scotty Yard?
0: Uh, maybe. No, I don't think I, I was in on that one. We had talked to, uh, oh, there were so many fireside chats. We talked to Bob Camp out there. Yeah. Billy Zabka. And uh, we were hanging out with Scott Wilson, but we didn't actually get to podcast with him. But uh, uh, I remember walking in, and because, I, I mean, I've known the guys from Junk On Comics for a few years now, but it was strictly Twitter and online and the podcasts, and, you know, we hooked up, that I'd come down and visit, and it was really weird coincidence, because I got there, and I parked my car, and I walked into the center, and literally, the first human being I saw was Derek coming out of the elevator, <laughs> and, you know, I, I knew enough of knew what he looked like to know it was him. Mm -hmm. So we just like, not a word, we just walked to each other in a warm embrace and we're like "All right, this is gonna be cool. And and then it just started a floodgate of meeting people and just this is this person, this is that person. I must have shook a million hands within that first hour just being there you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Derek being the personable person that he is.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah and then I remember like, because I don't remember meeting a lot of the people, you know? Not many people really stuck out at the point, except for two people. And I remember you and Holly just sticking out like crazy. And I was like, okay, who are these cool-ass broads? <laughs> and then we went to dinner at that uh, that Italian pasta place
1: mm-hmm.
0: where they were making the pasta in the little window. They had, like, yeah. the little, you know...
1: Oh, like- yeah, because I, I had met you then, and I was too drunk to remember that. I heard her <laughs> <laughs> And I know, I know, I said, I went out to dinner with this man. He's awesome. And Derek like, uh you also went out to dinner with us, but I don't remember you saying anything about that. So, yes, yeah, so I do remember that, but continue.
0: Yeah, no, it was good size. But it's just, you guys, Michigan has this contingency, this militia of people that are A, extremely talented bunch of people, and B, so tight and so close. Yes, conradery
1: is what we call it, Michigan conradery. And I always say, I don't think I could go anywhere else, to any other city, any other metro city, any other state, and find the close con family knit that we have between podcasts, between what writers, illustrators, illustrators who are on the cusp and those who are just starting. We all treat each other equally, and we all scratch each other's backs. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm
0: so blessed to be a part of it. Very blessed. I mean, there's, like, I, here in Toronto, incredible art community. It's it's a little bit larger. Like, yeah, a lot of people know each other, and there's these tight little circles. And it's it's the same thing. Like, people have each other's backs and a lot of support, a lot of encouragement. But there's something a little different going on in Michigan. There's something a little more personal that you can feel. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm still working about putting my my finger on it like are you are you Michigan born and raised like
1: absolutely okay fire and ice baby
0: so oh, you, you guys have just all have you just all come up together then like you've just all known each other for so long through being at cons and stuff or you
1: know a lot of this um a good chunk of it comes down to um, Motor City Sketch um, which is an artist group uh, we all you know we a lot of them do gallery shows and they do uh, tour comic cons and things like that. I'm probably one of the only writers um, but we network that way and I think that's the key to it is that we are all about um, networking. Nobody has... Um, there's not a big collection of egos. Don't get me wrong, there are egos. but. Um, we override that in order to really help each other out and lift each other up, and uh, it helps. It helps. It's it's
0: it's it's cool to see. It's a, it's a really special thing. Not just being that close, but the amount of talent coming out of Michigan, it's it's insane. Like it's 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 very similar to here actually. Like one lucky thing about being in Toronto at this present time is a lot of the, at least the bigger name artists right now who are actually working on a lot of, like, big two books are actually in the area. Like, there's there's a huge contingency of professional, you know, comic book artists who are stationed out of, like, the southern Ontario area, you know? Mm -hmm. So as far as that kind of influence, as far as learning and experiencing and, you know, talking to people, there's a lot of that. But there's something more personal in Michigan. You guys seem to you guys just care. You guys care about each other. It's like a giant love Care Bear Fest It, going it is. On. And know, you know,
1: after every con, I notice we all do these internet group hugs like, I would like to thank and the following people that I've met. And I think, too, <laughs> it's, when we meet people, we, we tend to follow up with everybody. And um, aside from the goal of making money and you know publicity and promoting and you know that's all important too. But we love the experience. We relish in it. And um, some cons that I've been to, I've really enjoyed, even though some of them were financial bus or promoting bus, what have you. Um, they were still great because of the people that I met, and that makes a huge difference. And I think we're very business minded and we're all self starters. Because I know um, Source Point Press. Uh, and um, Michigan Commerce Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, I mean, God bless them. They're, they have great spirit. And they're everyday people, just like you and me nine to fivers, people with kids, you know, um, families, and what have you. Um, and they sacrifice a lot to even um, get where they are right now. Um, they've got a long way to go, but um, they're, these are amazing talents, and it's I think that Empire Spirit, plus, I mean, Michigan, if you look at it, we are, uh, we have a history of self-starters. I mean, you know, um, Henry Ford, um, you know, every, everything just comes down to a lot of business-minded people so we have a long history of that and I think it carries on and I'm rambling now but you get the no, point. No,
0: not at all. I totally get the point. It's, there's, there's, there's a lack of ego I find in a lot of Michigan artists mm-hmm. that you won't find in other places I've been and other cons I've been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have this, it's a deeper passion for what they do. People are doing it more for the cause of doing it you know, because they love it sort of thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like, and, and that's what helps to win in the end.
0: Yeah, And it's not just your circle. It's like other particular people who I've met. Like, I don't even know if you... Do you know Nick Francis? I know the name. You know the name? Nick Francis is a guy that I met on Twitter years ago, and uh, he's been on the show a couple times, and we became friends, and he's a total Michigan boy. And uh, he's there every year at Motor City. So not just meeting all you cool cats, I got to actually meet this guy who you know and that's been an amazing thing about cuz I've been I've been traveling out to cons more motor city was my first american comic con that was really? the first yeah that was the first time I'd ever been to a south of the border con cool and uh yeah it was super rad i didn't know what to expect as far as at least the people you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i knew it was going to be a comic con and artists and blah 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 but i've you know there's been times in the past when i've been Around a large group of Americans, that hasn't been the smoothest situation. <laughs> I.e., <laughs> Woodstock '99 comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Were you
1: the one that started that fire? That was you.
0: No, I was the one running the other way back to Canada. That's where. <laughs> <geez> <laughs> that was me. Jeez but uh, you know, I fly around. And I'm getting to meet these people that uh, you know you get so tight with over the years. And, uh, you know, it takes a little effort, but it's not impossible, and now I'm getting to fly around, and I was just down in uh, Pennsylvania like a month and a bit ago for Great Allentown Con. I mm-hmm. uh, finally got to meet my buddy Stan, another guy. He's been sponsoring this podcast for two years, and I've never met him, right? So, <laughs> But it's weird, because I, when I did meet him, and I met him at the airport, there's no handshakes. There's only hugs, you know? I've never seen Aww. this guy before, but we you know... You, just through support and friendship and hanging out, you know, you meet some beautiful people. That's why I'm a big proponent of, like, social networking and stuff, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Twitter helped me out a lot. I mean, whereas um, I think Twitter is great for podcasts. Twitter is great for writers. Not so much illustrators. I feel like um, things like Facebook and Instagram help them out a little bit more because mm-hmm. a little more visual. Um, but I know uh, with, with Twitter, I mean, the hashtags help out tremendously. I mean, I've gained um, – Hundreds of followers just from the tag sci fi. Yeah. That's a big thing.
0: Absolutely. um,
1: But Nick Francis, that's the name. Now, what does he do?
0: He's a pure freelance illustrator. He's done some work with Greyhaven.
1: Okay. I'm I'm writing this down.
0: (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, he. uh, I share his stuff on Elegant Weapons Facebook page all the time. You can find it pretty. The Art of Nick Francis is his page but uh, he's just like a freelance illustrator um, and he's just a talented talented motherfucker uh, with just no ego the nicest guy in the world mm-hmm. um, you know and it was it was so cool because he'd been on the show before and then I actually got to sit at Motor City and like interview him live for the first time you know which was super cool indeed now talking about inspiration and support uh, following you on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, for mm-hmm. me, inspiration is the right word. Not that uh, I need to be inspired much. I'm a pretty inspired person. I'd like to think myself. But watching you go about not just your work, but your day-to-day life and the attitude you carry about while doing it, it's just so badass.
1: Aww. I
0: love to watch it. I love to watch it. I have... Okay, I, okay I'm going to... I don't want this to sound wrong, okay? Like, don't don't take these words literally. But y- you ever have a con crush, and I don't mean not necessarily between like a guy and a girl or that kind of thing. But you ever go to a comic con and you come out of that comic con and there's two or three things or people that just stick in your head, and yeah. you're like, just just because they were a rad experience or a rad situation, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's adoration.
0: Yeah, the number one thing I took away after Motor City Comic Con you know, other than getting to meet my Drunk on Comics boys, was you. Was, com- was, was coming out of there. And I'm not trying to get like an, uh, I'm not trying to sound all like, you know, gushy or anything. I understand. But you know what I mean? I, I get the impression that you've been through some things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you've been in, at points in your life where you weren't the happiest. And you wanted to change these things, mm-hmm. and it's I get the impression because I haven't known you that long that not only did you work hard to fight and change these things, you kicked these things asses. <laughs> like you, you went up. Ab- you didn't just succeed. You kind of went above and beyond anything you had planned on. So I feel like you're the type of person who has started a path for yourself, and you're just barreling down that path, and nothing's going to stop you. You know what I mean? And while you're barreling down that path, you're looking about as fucking cool as you could. Oh, dude, thank you.
1: you. I'm so, professionally, I'm very flattered. Thank you very much. And, and you're right. You know, it's that empire state of mind, and we are the master and commanders of our own destiny, and uh, um, I refuse to believe or accept any finality of any situation. And because of that, I haven't run into any finalities so far.
0: So <laughs> nice. That's a very James Kirk way to look at things.
1: <laughs> yeah. You cannot I mean,
0: believe you don't believe in no-win scenarios, right? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. From um, so you you must be talking about like uh well, career-wise, and my weight loss and my neurological disorders and things like that. So um, yeah, I've been through a lot of personal stuff, um, but I I come I come back swinging. So.
0: Like you come back more than swinging. You're coming back, knocking them out of the park. Is you know at least from the impression I've been getting. But you, you you just, it, you know a lot of people that you meet. You know there's some positive people, but you impress me with how you keep it up. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a pretty positive person most of the time. And and when I'm not positive, it's not that I'm like I don't get depressed or sad. But I'm I can be your typical dude. I get pissed off. I get angry. I get offended. Sure. I want to yell and scream and throw a broadsword around. You know what I mean? But I I, th- I haven't seen this come out of you. You handle things with a much classier grace than I would ever admit that I do. You
1: know, I mean? <laughs> you know and I appreciate you saying that, and, and I'd love to inspire people, but I'll tell you what um, what helped me ha- maintain con graces and grace in the face of anything was Dirk Manning's book, Right or Wrong. And whether you are a writer, illustrator, or just someone, um, just another human being, um, it really taught me a lot about how to have con graces, how to act and how and the people that you're going to run into, and how you need to handle those situations, because this is a tight like as tight as we are, you know family wise, um you know that it's a tight circle um gossip wise or people talk, and um it's all a game of telephone if you put negative energy out there. so no matter what um you know in that book, he says be nice to people no matter what and it sounds so simple but it makes all the difference and it makes all the difference in your demeanor and your attitude and people really um people remember that people remember every you know, little word you say
0: it's funny that you that story kinda led out of Dirk Manning uh, who was on the show a little while ago but it's funny cuz very very rarely and you and Dirk are probably maybe two of the only guests I've ever had who have said they've been honored to be on this fucking show.
1: <laughs> that again, that's that grace.
0: <laughs> we well, no, there's something there. It's rubbing off on each other because he, what a gentleman, what an amazing, Absolutely. what an amazing dude in general. Like I had a blast getting to know and hanging out with Dirk, but also just, just he was so graceful on the pod. Sorry, gracious on the podcast as far as the passion shows through, you know, it's, it's, he loves what he does and more so he loves to share it. He loves to help other people, you know, achieve these dreams as well. So we had one little funny thing though. It kind of, it pulled out the philosophy aspect of things a little because I was discussing how I've always had these two plot lines for a Star Wars fan story and a Star Trek fan story uh, fan fiction that I've had for years mm-hmm. and I've written little bits here and there and I really enjoy writing like I'm, I'm a creative person but I'm not a writer in any way but I, re- I do enjoy to write so I always mm-hmm. have on and off over the years but I've always had these two stories in my head and Dirk did just what Dirk should do and he he kinda presented it to me okay what's cool about Star Wars and you know I'm like well lightsabers and he's kinda like well try to think up something that you think is just as cool but is your own thing sort of thing, right? Like, you know, take that story that you had, but why does it have to be Star Wars? Try to find something as cool as you think, make it your own thing, which is very, very good advice. It's wonderful advice, and I Mm -hmm. totally agree and understand, except I don't think that any human from this point on will ever live on this earth that will possibly come up with a cooler fictional weapon than a lightsaber. Mm. So, I see where you're going with that, Dirk, but I don't think it works out well with the lightsaber example. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Well, let me this. Let's say you're going to write and you're thinking of a weapon, and do you immediately start thinking, well, they're not... They are not going to think this is cool. It's not going to impress the reader. It might impress me, but it's not going to impress someone else. Is that your mentality going into it?
0: No, not at all. See, the only reason I came up with uh, these stories is because they were inspired by Star Wars themselves. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like I decided I want to write a story, and I like Star Wars, so I'm going to write it about Star Wars. I've read every Star Wars comic book out there, and having read those, you know how you read those plot lines of other things and they give you ideas of where to expand those stories Mm -hmm. that you're reading or writing, or sorry, that you're, you know, reading and stuff. Right. So I totally get where you shouldn't go to a well just because you want to write a story. Don't just pick something you like. You know, be original, come up with your own thing. I totally get that. But Mm -hmm. I, I, I also see the enjoyment of things like fan fiction, where people may be inspired by something that you know makes them think up an idea. So there's there's two sides to the coin. I think there's room for everybody, but you know I was just more just being a jackass with him about the lightsaber and stuff. But, but. <laughs> he's he was just so everything he said was you could you, just beyond writing too. You know whatever your creative process is, you can take these ideas and implement them. And uh you know, it's fantastic for him for wanting to share it so much, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and he'll tell you, you know, the story of how he came up this sort of fake it till you make it mentality, um which we all have, you know, uh and what we and he made away for himself in comics when there was no way. There was no trail that was blazed. You just Worked hard and you know fought to talk to who you wanted to talk to. I mean, it was a fight, and now there is sort of a pathway to comics, you know, via self-publishing, and you can get in touch with this person, email that person. That all was not going on at the time when Dirk was starting out. Um, So that's really inspiring too. Where there wasn't a door, he pretty much chainsawed into the wall. Um, Yeah. But my advice to you is, I'm 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 nobody to give advice I mean I I'm, I'm green myself when it comes to writing but um, if you are passionate about Star Wars and you are a big fan start this is what I do start writing what you think is absolute garbage that no one is ever going to read go back and look at it and that is exactly what you wanted to say just fine-tune it and clean it up and you're like this is genius nice or else you're going to be staring at a blank cursor for like an hour.
0: Yeah. Like sometimes I, yeah.
1: I do. But just start <laughs> writing garbage. Start writing thoughts. Start writing th- thoughts about That's Star That's
0: exactly how I always start. I've got – like I'll just write bullet points. You know, as I'm – Things I'll...
1: people say, dialogue. Even yes. if you just started with an opening line. And yes. you just go from there. It's like you, after a while you're going to feel like you're starting to play piano at, uh, the, you know, the keyboard here. Because you're in the flow, you're in the moment. Even though you think it's total garbage, you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you go back <laughs> and clean it up and you're like, I got something. Now I have my catalyst. Yeah.
0: So I find often I'll actually I'll end up working backwards on things. Like I'll have an idea and sometimes, you know, I've, I've come up with a great ending to a story and been like, okay, this would be a badass way to end a story. Let's figure out how we got to that ending, right? So let's start working our way back and see how things... I'm a big freak for chronology. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite stories are, are ones that connect over time. Like, uh, see, I'm not a... A lot of people don't get it when I say this. I'm not necessarily a Star Wars fan. And I kind of more classify myself as a as a Jedi fan.
1: Okay. You know what I mean?
0: Like I could the the movies aren't what moves me. The movies aren't what I fell in love with. Is like I remember them as a kid. I have the same nostalgia everybody has. They're fucking awesome. They're fucking Star Wars. But it was when I hit the books and when I hit the comics that my true love for this whole franchise exploded. When I started reading about the history of the Jedi, where the Jedi came from, how did this come about, you know, Sith lore, Sith history, this is what hooked me. This is when I got really deep into Star Wars was Dark Horse, you know, which is okay. sad thing now, but uh, that's, that's where I come in, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Star Wars collector, I'm a lightsaber collector, you know what I mean?
1: And, and that's fine. I think what you're you're in love with aspects of Star Wars, perhaps maybe um, the military and religion of the Force or um, of the Alliance, and uh, that's fine too. I mean, if you're going to write a fan fiction, then then do it just based on that. The uh, you know the Jedi Alliance, you know, I that's I mean, there's no rules. Just go ahead and do it. Write a story about yeah. a Jedi. Why not? Make up somebody totally different.
0: Why not? Um, I, I did one whole like storyline that was all about the stuff that they're doing, like not the same story, but at the time that they're doing the new movie and it makes me all just like, bah see I've got, I've had to learn to, to look at the writing and movies and stuff really differently because I, I feel like a jackass to myself sometimes. You ever, you, know, you ever give advice to people that you have a hard time following yourself? You know what I mean? Yes. And, like, look look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? You've got the Mm -hmm. Cinematic Universe and you've got the Comic World, right? Right. And never at any point was anybody really bothered by the fact that you had to change stuff to make the movies. The stories had to change, whether it because a time thing or a studio rights ownership thing or whatever the hell is going on. So it's always been kind of two separate entities. And then I thought to myself, why is it so difficult for us Star Wars fans to separate the books, the comics from the from the movies? W- Star Wars fans have had to seem to have a much more difficult time looking at them as two different entities, unlike the Marvel universe, you know, where they've got the move the movie universe, you've got your comic universe, and they are two completely separate universes. Where right. For some reason, Star Wars. I- only maybe Star Trek fans are as anal about canon and continuity as Star right. Wars fans are. It's insane how far. So I've had to retrain my brain and be like, okay, look, you got to look at it in a new way. Those comics are a completely different universe, and the movies are a completely different universe. And it's taken some adjustment because that's 20 years of my life. Right. Right? Like, that's a lot of lawn boxes sitting over in the corner there that I've spent decades, <laughs> putting, you know. enjoying and reading, and that's always been the lore to me. But Mm -hmm. now, because I've learned this new outlook, I'm now more excited about Episode 7 I'm now more excited to see a completely different twist on the idea than what I've been used to for 20 years, you know?
1: I think hardcore Star Trek and Star Wars fans alike um, are so into it and immersed in it sometimes to actually recognize that these are two very broad um, staples in comics and pop culture. I mean, these are universes. I'm not talking about, um, like, the Punisher translation from comic to screen. We're talking about Star Wars. You know, (laughs) this, I mean, we can take that any place. So... To, and I'm not talking about you, to um, shove up your glasses and be snarky about it, about any adaptation, especially when you're dealing with such huge universes, um... You really gotta give some leniency on that, and and like yeah. your uh, like your fan fiction that you might want to do just a, a straight up Jedi story, um, because there's a million things you could take from Star Wars. There's a million things you could take from Star Trek. They are ginormous. It's not like like I said, it's not like taking Captain America from comic to screen. Uh, not even if you were to take the Max from comic to screen. It's not like that. It's a totally different ball game. But um, yeah. But Having said that, I will admit that I am pretentious in my own regard about some of the Star Wars films, the past films. (laughs) You can't help it. You can't help it. That's that's my own hang-up. And Mm -hmm. I do have to keep reminding myself that every um, director, just like every illustrator, every writer, everyone in the art community has a right to an adaptation. And if you don't like that adaptation, fine. But I'll, I'll bet your ass, I'll bet your ass, $20 fucking dollars. It doesn't matter. It's opening night. Everybody's going to be in the front row. Or everybody's going to oh, be in yeah. the opening night. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the hell they said. They're chomping on their popcorn ready for a shit fest. And they will shit talk all the way home from the theater. <laughs> home, and they will love doing it because that's what we do, baby. We are nerds. Yeah. <laughs> I hate I it, to do it but we do it Relish. and I will shit talk everybody yeah. else who does it except for me.
0: You know it's I I have to You know what you want to hear a confession which is actually pretty well known but I'm a big prequel apologist and I go through a lot of shit for the fact that I I there's a lot about the prequels that I really I get all the arguments and they're and they're true, most of them, but there's also some brilliant genius shit that I think came out of those movies, too, you know? I'm, I'm ready so, to a prequel
1: apologist. I it. <laughs> I'm,
0: Is that a Canadian I'm thing? also, uh, it, it might be. Uh, <laughs> I've also been known as a, as a large Zack Snyder apologist because oh. uh, he's just my goddamn hero and a half, you know? Oh, but there's a the shift. Hell well one thing one one way when you talk about the different adaptations and how important that is it's something I have learned because I was one of those snotty little push up your glasses thirteen year olds who who wanted their continuity and they want and I wanted my superhero movies to be right off the page you know mm-hmm. and like Batman like Batman everyone so. Like, the religion of the bad is so huge that there are more adaptations and variations of the Batman than probably any other comic book ever. Like, just everybody has their own Batman that they could draw or want to see, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's a huge thing. So, for the fact that I want to see the Wolverine that I want to see on screen, I have to go to that camp. Where I used to be like, I want all the X-Men to be perfect, and I want all the movies to work perfect. I'm so fucking sick of Hugh Jackman that I don't want to see those X-Men anymore. I want to see the real five-foot-tall animalistic version of Logan. You know what I mean? And the only way that that's ever going to happen is if we encourage variety, you know? That
1: was a poor example for me. Only because it's (laughs) not that I'm a huge Jackman fan. I'm a Wolverine fan. I'm a fan of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, although yeah, the continuity is, is lost on that one and his height and everything else.
0: Well, I'm not I'm not against him as Wolverine. I enjoy his Wolverine, but as you see Oh, said, I do too. There's different variations, right?
1: <laughs> yes, uh, oh, absolutely. You're, I mean, that was a poor example for me. You talked to a chick, chick who loves roughnecks, so
0: That's all good. That's all good. <laughs> Singing and dancing Roughnecks, I guess, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: see, that's it. If I see Hugh Jackman in anything else, I'm like,
0: ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I it's must... hard for me to go back to Wolverine. Like, you'll see him on the Tonys, and then a new X-Men movie will come out, and you're like, ugh. Just stay Wolverine,
1: dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, his, it, I like his Wolverine, and I like where they went with it, but he's a very human Wolverine. He, he's just a different Wolverine than the Wolverine I know, right? Right, and right. That's where I was kind of going with Zack Snyder. Like, certain times... I think it'd be pulled off brilliantly like uh, I think Watchmen, he took right off the page mm-hmm. and in fact improved that classic comic you know yep. just by a change in the end like I don't think he could have pulled off the end the comic the way the comic does it but so uh, man of steel took a lot of slack and a lot of flack but that's the superman I've been waiting for for years
1: and a lot and, of other people too and I think yeah you're A lot of people that you might talk to at cons and stuff actually did enjoy Man of Steel. I think that's a media thing. I really do. I think that's a media stigma, and a lot of people felt differently, that they really actually enjoyed the film more than they are trying to um, display. But um, I think that if you went around the con and you took sort of this um, general census, survey would say that people really did enjoy Man of Steel.
0: I, I I would agree with you. I think it's a bit of a, a media thing. Like, and also a lot of it was just the fan base, because like Marvel had such a Marvel fans had gotten so kind of arrogant and you know kind of steadfast about how they'd already won the war, sort of thing. Like there <laughs> even is a war, you know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. DC was nothing but knocked down, knocked down. And then what happens? Oh, all of a sudden this little show Arrow starts. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everybody falls in love with this show. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they decide they're going to do Batman again right away in this Batman-Superman movie. Oh, there's more interest there. Oh, look, here comes this Flash show. So DC's on a roll right now. I think they're everybody couldn't believe why DC wouldn't follow the Marvel formula, but I don't think they have to. I don't think they need to. I think they can mm-hmm. go... A completely different way with it, you know. It's there's no DC Studios. There's only a Marvel Studios. So, as DC learns and Warner Brothers trusts, guys, like a lot of it's the talent too, right? Like you need the Zack Snyder's. You need the J.J. Abrams. You know, you need the Josh.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And until people start stepping up, I mean, even look at the actors, like Michael Douglas and Ant Man. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) Anthony Hopkins and Thor, like Kenneth Branagh making that movie, like. It, it, it's just never been treated to this extent. So I'm, I am I, think the walls are going to break down soon because, I mean, I can't... I'm more excited for Batman Superman than I think I might be for Episode Seven. to be honest. Oh, I yeah. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a movie since The Phantom Menace, maybe.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, cool. I think everyone's excited, haters alike, because everyone wants to see how Ben Affleck's going to perform. Oh, it's That's the, be that's the drum roll. It's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be brilliant. it's gonna shut a lot of people down. And I always say, I mean, let's think of the character of Bruce Wayne for a minute. Let's not think of Batman. Let's think of the man beyond the mask. And we're talking about a billionaire Playboy. Okay, who is Ben Affleck? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um and I totally think he can pull it off. And I don't think people take it from that aspect. People are not seeing the human side. That's what makes Batman so great. Is um, he's very human. Um, there's, I mean, there's no special superpowers. Um, he's just, uh, he has his own, his own internal struggles and his own dark past. Bring the whole dark sheen over the entire Batman series that keeps people coming back. That's the part. It's not the costume. It's not the action. It is the dark premise and his internal struggles and his past. Now, so then you're looking at Bruce Wayne. Okay, you look at Bruce Wayne. That's who Bruce Wayne is. Billionaire playboy. Dark past. Okay, Ben Affleck. Tell me how that does not make sense.
0: I think it makes total sense. I I agree 100%. I think especially with... Uh, I mean, this isn't just going to be Batman. This is going to be a Batman that as much as Tim Burton made Batman dark again and the world became used to this dark-sheened Batman, this is going to be a Frank Miller Batman. This is going to be leaning towards the Bat God more than the Batman side of things, you know. Right. And there's almost as many Bruce Wayne iterations as there is Batman, you know. Like Michael, everybody thinks Michael Keaton was the best Bruce Wayne there's been, and he wasn't your typical Bruce Wayne in a way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, I think Ben's gonna pull this off in a way that's gonna be great, because like Bruce Wayne's a psycho, right? Like he's a broken, damaged genius psych- sociopath. Mm-hmm. And that's—I do lean into that camp. I like the Batman that beats Superman. You mm-hmm. know, this isn't going to be a Christian Bale Batman. This isn't going to be a Batman we've ever seen, just fighting on the streets, or this is going to be a Batman to the level that he's going to take on Superman. And right. oh my, oh my God, God, I'm getting giddy just thinking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going oh, to. Oh. Especially with the name Schneider attached. I mean, I—I I don't know how anyone could give this man guff and I I I was talking to um, another illustrator about this and I was trying to describe Snyder's Describe Snyder's style. Describe his style (laughs) and tongue-tied. And it's hard to, and the only adjective I could come up with was alternative. Um, I think it's because I'm going based on like the way he shoots cinematically like sort of the earth tones. Um, It's got sort of an edge to it. Um, but I don't know. How would you describe Zack Snyder if you
0: were to describe his films? I would describe him as a cinematic painter. Mm-hmm. I would I would describe him as uh, an absolute master visualist. I, I look at his paintings. Sorry, I look at I just I I almost don't have to change the word, but I look at his movies like paintings. I look at them like more works of art. Than movies have ever been. I mean, there's other directors I look at that way too. But see, I think a lot of people are like plot and this and that. All you got to give me is Zack Snyder and a cape. Okay, now look what Zack Snyder already accomplished with the Man of Steel's cape alone. Badass. Mm-hmm. Amazing shit, you know? First yeah. one to be smart enough to actually make it digital and make that cape do exactly what he wants it to do mm-hmm. in the way he wants it to do in the colors he wants it to look like. Now he gets to use the bat cape. Uh, what Zack Snyder's going to do with that cape? Like I
1: can't see your O face right now. I cannot see your face on the screen.
0: <laughs> I know. My elegant weapon keeps... Pop- I, I must have a shitty connection. I got to start using a real camera or... Some kind of crap, but um, yeah, I just I can't wait to see what he does with Batman's cape. Like it's gonna be a match made in heaven. Do you know what I mean?
1: It's gonna be great, and I love what he he did with uh, Dawn of the Dead as well. I mean, in um, my dude. book, the man hasn't done wrong yet.
0: So um, yeah, I, I agree. Even that Owl's movie. Did you see the Legends of Gahul? Like the Guardians, it was like a cartoon CGI. Owls. I did
1: not see this. No.
0: Okay, it's called Guardians, uh, the Legend of Gahul or something like that, and it's a pure like, like kids like CGI movie, but it's it's brilliant. It it's like <laughs> it's it looks amazing. It's and, total Snyder,
1: and, and yeah. you know you know when you're watching a Snyder film.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what's great,
1: too, his own staple that no one can describe. I mean, I, I, I hate to sit here and blow him, but he's a magician
0: to me. Yeah, yeah. And him and uh, – I like that him and JJ got another little back and forth because of, of the two things that those two guys both do brilliantly well, it's flying. Yeah. Like, they can make flying feel like a, an experience, like, you haven't had in cinema, you know, like when Superman was learning to fly when it first come, came out, Man of Steel. Oh my like, god! Like how much fun was that? You know what I mean? It was. It was. You know? And JJ turning Star Trek into Star Wars—that was pure like maddening, maddening excitement. I just, oh, I'm so excited. Yep,
1: yep, you felt something. I mean, that's the thing. And Man of Steel also had those human elements too. Um, and I think what directors or what people finally caught on to was that an audience doesn't want to sit back and watch The Almighty Superhero. They want to feel with them and they want a better depth to the story and um, I think that joining them on their journey rather than like peeping in on their journey um, makes a huge difference because the movies are an experience. They should be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think this is where you just made an excellent point because I think that's where DC is actually going to do something with a little more quality, I think, than Marvel. Because a Marvel movie is a Marvel comic book. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the emotional level, the action level, it is all blueprinted off a comic book. When you watch a fight scene in a Marvel movie, it's hitting and punching and throwing. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much 90% of what you're going to see. And things are a little bit different in a DC movie. You're going to see, like in a Marvel movie, people may argue about what someone looks like or what device happened or what didn't do what to what. In a DC movie, as much as people didn't like it, what were they were arguing about? The relationship between Clark and his dad, mm-hmm. right? Like how stupid it was the way Jonathan Kent died and blah, 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 blah. But that's what you're talking about. You're not talking about the giant space battles going on with Zod and Superman, right? So that's something that DC is... I like that DC follows a certain pattern because I'm one of those guys who do like their superheroes godlike. Like Like As much as I like the anti-heroes and I love the Wolverines and I love the Punisher, like I'm a Batman fanatic, I get that. But I'm also someone who leans towards Superman in a way that he is ultimate good. You know what I mean? Like they, they, yeah, they, they don't but, struggle. Their war is always They are always fighting for good. There's no questioning. There's no second guessing. Am I doing the right thing? Well, you know? it,
1: it, I I understand totally what you're saying because it's sort of that um why the kids believe in Santa Claus or why do you want them to believe in Santa Claus? Because you want them to still hold out for humanity that they're. That humanity is generally good, or that there's at least one person out there who wants to do good all the time, and that makes you feel good as a person. So I totally get where mm-hmm. you're coming from, and that was weird that it pulled out Santa Claus analogy, but it's true. Um, but you know,
0: <laughs> you're right. No, it totally makes sense. As you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I don't know if uh, do you watch Doctor Who at all? No. Okay. <laughs> well, they just they just had the Doctor Who Christmas special. And uh, on Christmas Day there, and Nick Frost played uh, Santa Claus.
1: Oh, very cool.
0: Yeah, it was super cool. But the whole thing that it came down to, spoilers, sweeties, if you're out there and uh, didn't see the Christmas special yet.
1: I ain't going to watch it, so go ahead.
0: Um, But it's uh, the reason Santa Claus ends up through it and in it is just because of the idea you just said. Right. Because they're actually a bunch of people are caught in a dream state. And in your deepest dreams where do you believe in the most you know like wh- what do you look to as the ultimate good what would your ultimate kind of outlook on heroes and pure goodness kinda of be so in their dreams they just subconsciously create Santa Claus to come and save them so it's 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 actually yeah. you know exactly what you were just that, talking about was what they legit. laid out you know yeah, so that's legit
1: that's a legit point and yeah. you know I once had a teacher um real prick um, I forget what he was teaching. It was in high school. A lot of high school is hazy. But um, he said I, that his kids don't believe in Santa Claus, And I said, why? He goes, well, I don't want to lie to my kids. And I had a real issue with that. I'm like, You're, are you lying or are you enchanting?
0: Absolutely. You know? Excellent phrase. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, You put that totally right. Because I agree. Because I had the same thing, too. Like, you know, I I don't want to lie to my kid but I totally let him believe in Santa. He's four years old. It's not yeah. going to hurt him. You know? like,
1: and, and I don't remember being, I remember when I found out there was no Santa Claus. I found out it wasn't earth sharing because at the time my brain had matured. It yes. was catching on a little bit more. And your child, when, um, They're just going to grow into um, having a little callous to their character as they go through experiences. You don't have to rip away Santa Claus in order to be like, life is hard, get used to it. They're going to develop in a way their character is going to be a little callous because they're going to experience certain things, and that's how they grow as a human being. Um, So you don't have to force things or force rawness into their life. Um, Just let it happen. There you are. See your face now. Oh,
0: I'm coming through. Nice. Hi. <laughs> Hi.
1: So anyway, so that yeah. that's my uh position on Santa Claus. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was trying to know what you thought about Santa
0: Claus. <laughs> so, uh, so you you consider yourself foremost the writer then? Yes. Because you do a few different things. You've got the dark blend, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. We and uh. Right, and I want to ask you about Almost Nerdy.
1: Okay.
0: Because now, explain to me exactly what the entity, first of all, that Almost Nerdy is.
1: Almost Nerdy is a media outlet for um, a lot of things, for uh, film, pop culture, comics, comic conventions. They're kind of everywhere, and the proprietor of the site, his name is Ashley Glenn, um... He uh, he had started, you know, almost already, as a sort of just this big festival of a website that goes everywhere and, you know, to comic conventions is promoting. Um, but there's a lot of us, a team of writers um, that are from all over the country that sort of submit and contribute. And Ashley Glenn kind of reads over it and makes sure everything's cool, but he gives free license to people to just kind of write what they want to so long as they had some sort of direction. So what I was writing was my usual My usual snarky humor bits, you know, my blog bits, uh, popping off at the mouth about whatever. Uh, I couldn't swear, though. Uh, So I did tailor them to that. Like, I popped off about Godzilla and I had to change my language. If you go to the Cosmic Casey site, the language is a little different. But I respect that because it's his website. Um, I was also doing convention coverage, too. Like, I did a a Motor City piece for him and Indiana Comic Con as well. Um, The almost nerdy thing took kind of a backseat after San Diego. Um, only because I was working so hardcore on the book. so, But that's almost nerdy.
0: Because uh, every year at Fan Expo, Toronto, um, the big comic shop that we have here is called Silver Snail Comics, mm-hmm. and that's the big old school, you know, Toronto's, oh, I don't know what you'd call it, their staple comic shop. But uh, they always have a giant presence at Fan Expo, of course. And always every year at the end of the table, there's a little booth set up, with a bunch of almost nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. And there's no one ever there. There's no one ever to talk to. There's only like some flyers and cards and really? stuff. Really? And every year I go by. Every year there's no one there. And I'll ask the people there and they're like, oh, it's some guy's thing or something. So I don't know what the connection is there. I don't know if maybe somebody knows somebody at the snail or something. But I'm every sure. year.
1: You should so Ashley Glenn about it.
0: Ashley right, I. I followed them on Twitter. I think we follow each other on Twitter. I'll look into that again. but Because uh, I remember getting confused because seeing that you wrote for Almost Nerdy and stuff, and I was just like, what? wait a minute. That's Because <laughs> also we had that weird thing where uh, you know old school. You know Craig Blake.
1: Yes, I know him because I met him when I was at All Things Geeks um, in, in, at Still City Con. He was at the table next
0: to us. Um, Steel City would be Pittsburgh? Yes, sir. Okay. uh, That's totally cool. Yeah, because he's uh, at the great Allentown Comic Con I just went to. He's very involved with that invention. He's and, cool uh, as
1: hell. He was really cool. He made us yeah. a sign. And he was he was just peach keen. Yeah, I know. Like, he's cool. His art yeah, no, is fantastic, too. I, I own one good. of his Batman pieces.
0: He's a big Walking Dead guy. Does a lot of big Walking Dead art. He's a big fan of drawing that stuff. But yeah, super cool guy. So I got to know him pretty good that weekend too. And just seeing you randomly comment on his Facebook thread, I was okay. like, Well, what? <laughs> Hold yeah. on, worlds are colliding. <laughs> and there you well, go. Well, it's like, neat. Conrad start to see around. You know, because uh, McKenna was there as well in Allentown. Mark McKenna.
1: Mark McKenna. I just met him at uh, Grand Con.
0: Oh really? You hadn't Mm -hmm. met me? When did Last Grand Con happen?
1: Uh, This was Grand Con the gaming one. That's where he was and that was October I think.
0: Okay so you actually didn't know Mark when I was down there in May? Oh.
1: No, nope, we had just okay. met, him and we've been friends ever since. He's a very uh, nice gentleman, very talented illustrator. Uh, does you know Banana Tail? If you want to look that up, Bananatail.com. dot com. Um, he's he was a killer dude, stellar gentleman. Um, always gives me great advice. Really cool.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's an amazing to get to meet someone like that because, uh, well, he's a Star Wars artist as well, right? Like he's responsible for. Geez, a whole bunch of the Star Wars books I've read over the years, you And know?
1: a Punisher, he did the Suicide yeah. Punisher.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he's done like five hundred and thirty-eight issues of Marvel Comics or some yeah. kind of shit like that. He's, like he's amazing.
1: And, and I what didn't, a down-to-earth I didn't even know guy, that. too. You know? Yeah, he was yeah. very cool, yeah. and I just talked to him like a regular cat, you know. Because I, you know, exactly.
0: Yeah, I thought he was just some guy a cool artist, and he'd done some Star Wars work here and there. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I kind of knew the name, and Derek introduced me and stuff. And then, you know, I, I spend the weekend. I kind of get to know him. And then I'm looking at his shit, like, in the weeks after, and I'm starting to realize just who this guy is. And I'm like, this guy is, like, for real. This is one of the boys. This is, like, you know, this he's beyond career at this point, you know, he, like, he's he's into his, like, legacy status, you know? Oh, so, yeah,
1: but yeah. he still maintains that, that um, demeanor that Manning is always preaching about, you know, just stay humble.
0: Oh, yeah, you'd have no idea, you know, you'd, you'd have no idea that he'd accomplish the things, but again, he's another fun one to be friends with on Facebook, because he's like a fan. Yeah. Like, the other day, he, he, he put a picture on Facebook of his cupboard, and it was nothing <laughs> but, like, com- comic book, glasses and cups and bowls (laughs) yeah
1: i I like that i like that picture i remember that
0: yeah 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 but all those guys like even stegman like a guy in ryan stegman's position to still be so humble and such a nice guy and Mm -hmm. you know i don't know it must be the water in michigan well
1: it was like a bob camp you know uh i met him at indiana con last year and um we were all hanging out we all went to dinner together and um uh, we get, We were. I had mentioned that I was a massage therapist, and he was having some shoulder questions and stuff. And then, um, this was a big highlight for me at the end of the con. Um, as a thank you, he had drew me an original, Ren and Stimpy illustration, and said thank you. Wow. <laughs> and it makes me tear up right now thinking, oh. it, I remember I broke down crying. And it was very oh. sweet. Very humble, very sweet cat. And then when I saw him at Motor City, I asked him, you know, how was his shoulder and stuff. And he actually remembered who I was. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, because his he takes his interpersonal relationships very seriously. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like we talk on the regular or anything. But it was just cool in that moment that he remembered who I was. Maybe he won't next time, and that's fine. But no one can take those moments from me. So that was really cool.
0: Well, that's how I felt with Mark when I saw him in Allentown. I was like, "Hey, you remember me, drunk on comics?" And he's like, "Yeah, Jay. Like, what's up?" <laughs> just like, "Oh, you oh, remember that's my day." That's cool.
1: He's, he's a Cosmic Casey fan now, so that's cool. You know, that's
0: super I, rad. Yeah. yeah. You know this massage thing uh, you mentioned now, because you are you are a licensed massage therapist. Yeah, we're well,
1: we gonna talk about my day job.
0: No, but um, I just yeah, it kind of nice. entails a question about my day job because um, I'm an arborist, right?
1: Right. I see open trees uh, a lot.
0: Screens, yes. Screens. Now, I went to my massage therapist and it, it was really really interesting because my back is so bad that if you literally touch it, I will flinch. You know what I mean? Like if you just literally like put your finger onto my back, I will go Ugh! and like tweak out and like you know, kind of spasm. Really? And uh, I was talking to him and and talking to my chiropractor. My chiropractor says, uh, you got to keep getting the massage though because uh, I guess uh, apparently he's done tree climbers over the years and he says the single worst occupation he's ever seen for backs is tree climbing, period. Like our backs are just jumbled masses of knots and balls and like twisted discs. (laughs) So I don't know if you've ever had your hands on a tree climber but...
1: (laughs) Well it sounds like there's a lot of nerve impingement happening uh, just because you mentioned that superficial touch makes you jump so there's definitely some um, nerve impingement or nerve damage happening between the discs would be my guess.
0: How do you find a balance? Well, I have a degenerated disc at the very bottom, but I'm not going to bore you with any more of my stupid, broken old body. No, but... you're probably,
1: we'll talk later about it. We'll talk later about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Crazy Canadians, you're probably podcasting from a wildlife reserve, aren't you?
0: Well, I'm, it's low frequency in these igloos, you know? And stop
1: smoking all the trees. <laughs> hey, some. you know what's funny? Save some for the bears. I always,
0: I always laugh, too, yeah. when the... Drunk on comics boys will make fun of the northernness because you are actually technically physically further north than I am in Toronto. So even even
1: being in the southeast like I am?
0: Yeah, yeah, Toronto's low. Like we're just above New York, eh? Like Toronto, like that's the thing about Canada. Canada, like we have such huge space, but I think ninety percent of our population lives along the southern border with the US. Okay. Like, right. like Canada's big, but you can't live up there. You're talking minus 50, minus 60 degree weather, you know. Right. It's, no, thank you. The negative yeah, yeah, five
1: yeah. that we had here the other day was enough. But you were about to ask.
0: Um, balance. For me, it's it's a little more difficult. I got two kids. I got my girlfriend and my job, which makes me tired. But, you, you know, I still try to find time to do the things I love, like this podcast. What What helps you keep your balance? Like, how do you, like, unwind or
1: and never you know, stop.
0: Just don't and stop, I, really?
1: No, 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 cuz I I mean, I have a lot going on. Um I had the book and then I had the con traveling and doing the con coverage and um I don't know how I do it, the blogging and the dark blend. Um I just find time. <laughs> and I hang out real late, I barely sleep, and I get up and I work out for about two hours, and then I do my thing. Um, but the working out has definitely given me a lot of clarity because I wake up with a lot of anxiety because I do have, I take on so much on my plate, and I don't even get paid for this. But um, yeah, I am very passionate about it. But I think the working out helps me organize my thoughts and it's helped me organize my life, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just no, I, do I, I, I just do I, it.
0: I hear why you, you would naturally want to talk about it because it's the thing that it helps people, you know, blasting out good endorphins and, you know, uh, often for me getting away is actually going to work, you know, like I'll go to oh, work yeah. and I'll have this, you know, I'll, spend, I'll spend seven hours in a tree where I'm, I'm not thinking about anything but not falling a hundred feet, right? So <laughs> right. you kind of get into a zone where your body, your body and your mind have to be sync. To be, you know, accomplishing this task that you've set forth, and we zone into something, and you're exerting that physical effort, it's it's very good for the soul. You know, it's very calming. It's very. It is. Uh. Yeah. You know, that's it's just,
1: your zen it's sort, time. Sort, sort that's your zen time. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. needs their zen time, and I think yeah. Yeah. I think that's the answer to your question. Is that your zen time would be uh, what you do, what you do at work. My zen time, like I can't work out with anybody anymore. I put on my headphones and I'm gone, and I'm and the music is inspiring me for a new story, um, or uh, I'm thinking about well, when I come home, I'm gonna write this blog. Um, let me write this down as soon as I get in the car, um, things like that. So I I just never. Shut off, I guess. And one day, <laughs> yeah, one yeah, day yeah. I will, and then never pick it back up again. But uh, going, <laughs> what going away you? to the cons, those <laughs> cons are a vacation to me. I love getting away and going to cons, and that's—I yeah. mean, if I could honeymoon at a con, I would. Like, <laughs> oh, it's
0: so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it really is. It's super. I'm hoping that Aaron comes down in May to Motor City with me. 'Cause I keep trying to tell her it's not just like us going to a con, it's a whole weekend experience. Yeah, I was just saying, like, it's so different. It's the first time I've ever stayed at a hotel connected to the con that all the guests were staying at and stuff. So you're living Ooh. a con for twenty four hours a day, you know. Con so, life. So,
1: Hashtag con yeah, life. Yeah,
0: yeah like yeah. I walked around the corner at one point, I had two pints in my hand, and I remember walking around the corner and walking like face first into Conan's chest and I was just like Yeah, Momoa is a tall motherfucker, man. That guy was huge. (laughs) But, you know, um, all right. Well, before we lose the connection one more time, why don't we make sure that we tell all the wonderful people about all the wonderful places they can find all your wonderful things?
1: All right. So you can mainly find me at CosmicCasey.com. Cosmic and Casey are both with Ks. Um, you can find me on Twitter my Twitter handle is at cosmic Casey uh, you can find me on facebook facebook.com slash cosmic Casey um, you can find some pieces of mine on almostnerdy.com. nerdy.com uh, let's see where else can you find me um, and you know on podcasts like this you can find me on dr. comics Uh <laughs> yeah. You can, you know, I'm just kind of floating around. So, yeah, you know, I'm a con hobo. I self-proclaimed. You can look up to
0: the stars, and you will see Casey. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Casey. But uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Oh, I wanted to tell you quickly. Uh, I might have told this when I met you, but I can't remember. Uh, when I was younger, I used to, I used to be heavily involved with the uh, the LSD community. And uh, basically, I did a fuck ton of acid when I was younger. And uh, what developed out of a a conversation with a friend of mine once was uh, the nickname Cosmic Boy. And for several years, I was referred to by my friends as Cosmic Boy to the point where I was getting, like, engraved Zippos for my birthday that said (laughs) Cosmic Boy on them and shit. And I didn't even know that... Yeah, he's actually a, there's a comic character, Cosmic Boy, which uh, I think he's like one of the Justice Society or something, and I had no idea, but uh, that turned out to be pretty cool. Yeah,
1: but I. Anyways, so it was destiny to be on your show, but you um, yeah, but look out for my book, too. I also mm-hmm. write for Racketing Studios, that's uh, Tony Maello and Bill Pakowski, and... Um, we don't have an official release yet. We're shooting for February because, of course, indie publishing, you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, it's a horror anthology. So um, be on the look up for that. Short stories. Um, That's going to
0: be fun. I can't wait to read that. That's wicked.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Paperback first. We're thinking graphic novel by summer. And uh, it's a good time. It's my baby. It's what I've been working really? on forever. And it's like... I'm not... Yeah.
0: I'm not picking it up till I pick it up off you personally in May. Yay! So that's going to be my deal. And I greatly look forward to seeing you down there. Um, you know, we can always talk again before then, but I am so <laughs> fucking stoked for May. It's unbelievable. Like Motor it. City comic convention down there. No Vi, Michigan people come down. Meet Casey. Dunk comics fellows. Meet Nick Francis. Meet Dirk Manning. Meet a shit ton of awesome, super fucking cool people. Casey, Thank you so fucking much hey, for hanging out with me you. today. This has been an absolute blast. Oh uh, yes. Cosmic yeah. yes. So, Casey.
1: Yeah. I, I really appreciate being on your show. Jeff. No, it's, anytime.
0: It's been, it's anytime. So cool. You are always welcome here. Uh, that's all we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon Kids. Take it easy. Bye.